Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrei Degler. In today's episode, I would like to play you back a conversation with Sarah Wood, who is a digital entrepreneur, a co-founder of Unruly, the author of the book that's called Stepping Up, Diversity Advocate, and so many other things. So let's check this one out together. Hello, hello. This is Robin Walters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual still, uh, by Sarah Woods. She is a uh, London-based entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur, uh, very well known in the London tech scene, I would say. But we just uh, talked, and I don't think we've ever met before, have we? We, we're not sure, are we? We may well have been at the same parties, but we don't have strong memories of them. <laughs> exactly. So maybe we've met plenty of times, we just don't remember. <laughs> Either way, it's very, very good to catch up. Thank you for joining. Sarah's joining us from London, I assume? Well, not far from London, Kent, which is close by in the countryside. Okay. Well, thank you for joining. Thank you for taking the time. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Because you've been in taxi for quite quite a long time, but uh, can you describe sort of the, the early days of your uh, background? Yeah. Um, So I guess I always used to think of myself as an accidental entrepreneur. So I came out of academia in 2006 to co-found a business called Unruly. And that was a video advertising platform, video analytics company, grew from three co-founders to being over 300 people. We ended up being a global platform. Uh, We were acquired by News Corp in 2015. Uh, And I stayed on to CEO the company for a couple of years after that. Uh, So it was a real real journey. from startup to um, scale up and then selling the business. It was so exhilarating, so exciting and so exhausting that after that, you know, I took some time out just to pause, think about what next, um, not do very much, reset relationships that had a last founded over the years. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. I'm going to read from it because it's easier. Uh, so digital entrepreneur, diversity advocate who enjoys generating ideas, working with awesome people and transforming business culture for the better. There's a lot to unpack there and we will. Uh, but I'm going to start with the first one, say digital entrepreneur. And obviously you just said you founded the company. A video ad tech platform is the sort of thing, if you would mention that in the last five years, that sounds like you know something that, that you would uh, found. <laughs> what do you... 2006 seems like a very long no. time ago to found that kind of business. So why don't you take us back to those days and sort of? Oh, it was a it was a very early time. So it was a time really that predated Facebook properly. Um, so when we launched on really Facebook, Facebook was still just um, for U.S. students. It was pre Twitter. Everybody was sharing content, starting to share content on blogs. Uh, and that was really exciting. Uh, so I think we were really exhilarated and intrigued by the democratization of the internet and the transformation of communications and the transformation of culture. So this whole new digital culture that was emerging was fascinating to us. Um, and what we realized was that video was going to play a key part of that. Of course, in 2006, hardly anybody was watching video online. And those that were, were spending a lot of time <laughs> buffering videos. Uh, <laughs> and I remember when we launched, everyone said, all right, so this is a fad. A video is a fad. And the first thing we launched was called the Viral Video Chart. Um, So it was the first platform that was able to identify and then rank the most shared videos online. So it was the very early days before viral even really was a thing, but it was just starting to become a thing. And we were really keen to understand which videos were being shared and ultimately why they were being shared. Um, So we collected shed loads of data over the years and started to crack that code on virality and really understand the drivers that got people sharing videos. Uh, And of course, who was interested uh, in that? 
insight and who is interested um, in the scale of the audience that we reached, um, but, but advertisers uh, who were looking themselves to harness digital technologies and to engage new audiences uh, and to spread their brand messages digitally. So that, that's how we got started. But at the time when we were, were launching really digital, we had to win the digital argument even when we were talking to brands because it was all TV and print. So we were having to convince brands that digital was a sensible place to put their money, convince them that video was a sensible medium. And of course, once the space grew, it became really obvious that people really enjoyed spending time with video if the video was worth watching. And if it was worth sharing, they would be sharing that with their friends as well. And then that would generate word of mouth. Uh, and that in itself was really valuable to advertisers. So pretty pretty quickly, um, video advertising uh, became you know, a, a big deal um, and, and the ad platform grew and evolved uh, alongside the industry. Do you still watch uh, videos a lot online? I watch some videos, um, but I've got to be honest, I'm, I've become a bit kind of screen averse <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Maybe that's because I spent so much time. Exactly. Uh, I was just going to say, you probably watch a lot more videos. videos than the average person. Well, the, the funny thing is, when, I was, uh, when we were growing on, really, um, I, I took a term a year to teach a course at Cambridge University, uh, and it was called Mashups, Memes and Lolitics, The Transformation of Screen Cultures. Um, so you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about the evolution of screen cultures and how they were moving and issues of scale. So you've gone from the cinema to the TV to the mobile, and and how the you know the scale of audiences had changed, um, and how use of technology had just changed the way we told stories, and in some ways hadn't changed the way that we responded to stories. Um, so I think having spent so long thinking about those issues, it was quite a relief ultimately to walk away from the screen, <laughs> to put my laptop down, and just look around and see the world. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But on a more serious note, like from a professional perspective, do you still track sort of what goes in in the video at that space because with the rise of TikTok and all that, it must be quite a fascinating time now as well. Well, so I'm not involved with Unruly anymore. And I stepped down from chairing it almost two years ago now. So I'm, I don't know what, you know what what's going on there. But obviously, video has continued to evolve, continued to be this massively influential, participatory medium. That was always one of the beauties of it. As soon as you could start taking your own videos, um, it was fantastic because people were creating as much as they were watching. Um, and that was always really exciting. But the, you know, the issues have really changed in, in video advertising. So in the final years, I was unruly, at Unruly. A lot of the focus was around brand safety, um, making sure that ads were being placed you know, in the right place, that they were delivering the metrics that advertisers wanted. You know, rightly so, there was a lot more accountability as the ad spend was increasing. And it was really as much about trust and trust in the platform, um, building trust in the brand's with consumers. And that was as important as anything else. Great. Uh, and you end, uh, ended up getting acquired, which I got back to in a second. Uh, but I want to go, go back to your LinkedIn bio first, because it also says diversity advocate. Uh, what does that translate to in practice? So I've always, I guess I've just always believed in the importance and the value of diversity. And diversity as a startup founder becomes an issue pretty quickly. Uh, especially if you're working at a tech startup where and are surrounded by guys. So I think we were lucky at Unruly. Um, there was three co-founders and myself being female, we had a bit of a head start there and we understood quite early on that we were going to need people from different backgrounds with different skill sets and different ideas, diverse thinking, uh, if we were going to continue to be innovative as we scaled. Um, so it meant as a founder of a company, doing everything we could to hire people from different backgrounds and that 
took different shapes and forms, uh, depending on where, where the company was at. I wrote a book called Stepping Up, which was kind of a practical manifesto, uh, well, a manual and a manifesto really for how to build how to build more diverse and inclusive companies. Um, I think as, as there's a lot of focus on diversity and that's great, but it's really important that you build the culture that can support diverse voices so that people feel that they can speak up. Uh, and there are ways for introverts to express their opinions as well as extroverts to express their opinions. Uh, and when you're making decisions around product, you think about the gender of the users uh, and you think about the user experience from multiple perspectives and not just the perspective of that lone white male 30-something developer. Um, because if you just have that one perspective, you end up with very skewed product sets that don't actually do the job they're supposed to do. Um, and then I've been really lucky to be part of lots of um, initiatives around this. Uh, and really, we launched um, a really important tool. It was the first tool that could detect sexist ads. Uh, and this was before the advertising standards um, agency kind of prohibited use of sexism and started you know, really taking an interest in it. We kind of recognized that our tool, which was so good at you know, looking, getting insight into ads and understanding why people reacted in certain ways, why ads made people laugh or cry or or smile or gasp. Um, we realized we could also use that tool to identify where there were stereotypes coming into play and to understand why they were really harmful. Uh, and actually, consumers didn't want stereotyped ads. Uh, so it was really great for us to be able to say to brands, look, you know, if you're creating these stereotyped ads showing inept dads and you're just not showing people what they could be, but just showing them what they were 30 years ago or what you were telling them they should be 30 years ago, that is not going to drive new business for your brand. It's not going to drive brand affinity. So being able to be part of that and build our product was fab. And then there were loads of other projects and initiatives going on as well around getting more women uh, into technology more female founders. Uh, Accelerate Her is a fantastic example of that, a group of female founders. And uh, I'm an advocate for uh, the Princess Trust Women Supporting Women. Uh, I guess I just really enjoy being part of groups that want to make a difference um, and want to make change happen. So Tech Nation, is uh, I'm on the board of Tech Nation. That's one of my more recent things I've been involved in. I'm really excited. And actually, this is a good place to talk about it because your you know, you're, you're listeners, they're, they're techies, they're, they're founders themselves. Uh, Tech Nation have just launched publicly launched um, a diversity and inclusion toolkit. And that is a properly practical guide um, for how to go about creating a more diverse and a more inclusive workplace. Uh, and it covers all areas through you know, recruitment to retention um, and things that you wouldn't even have thought about necessarily. Um, so I would recommend anybody who's thinking, well, how do I do that? Oh, yeah, well, that's easier said than done. Absolutely true. It is easier said than done. But Tech Nation, which is a you know, growth platform for supporting scale-ups, has put out this guide really in depth. Um, lots, of, lots of chapters, lots of information, lots of checklists and really kind of actionable um, things to do has put that guide out to help founders do just that. that that sounds like a really valuable resource to have uh we'll put the link in the show notes for sure so people yeah. can find it easily but i also wanted to so i, I rant about this endlessly uh, about this lack of diversity in in both in european founders but also uh european tech in general on the vc side for example is also quite a quite a problem if anything the statistics seem to be going uh backwards uh we don't seem to have a lot of progression, but I'm guessing from, if you look back like the 15 years ago when you started the company, uh, it was even way worse. Now at least it's been become a talking point, even the statistics don't reflect it yet. Uh, it seems to be that there's lots of 
people, really good intentions, good initiatives, good projects. Also, um, lots of VCs taking it seriously for once and, and really starting initiatives. Hopefully, we'll reflect in the numbers soon. But how do you feel about how things have progressed since you were a founder, you know, 15 years ago for starters? Progress is slow. And I don't know if it's just me, but as I get older, I get more impatient. <laughs> and yes, there have been lots of initiatives and you know, we are seeing small changes. Um, we're seeing more girls going into STEM subjects. We're seeing more kids in general taking computer science, which is also very positive. But we are still lacking enough diverse leaders at the top level of tech companies. And we are still lacking diverse investors. You're absolutely right. And I don't think the last couple of years have helped, if I'm being honest. I think yeah, there are some reports that say we've gone back a decade, certainly in terms of um, women's representation within the tech industry. And that was, I think, was one of the real shocking things for me during the pandemic was just watching, <laughs> watching the dynamics unfold very quickly and seeing how many women felt they were unable to continue in their roles. Um, and, that it, it's, and I would never judge anybody. Um, for, you know, for making the decisions they make. We all, we all make decisions that we believe are the best decisions for our families. I've made, made many of them myself, but it was really shocking systemically just to see how women were disproportionately adversely affected at work during the pandemic, taking on the brunt of childcare and other caring responsibilities, feeling pulled in multiple directions and feeling unable to cope. Yeah. I mean, we have the, the Atomico report on the state of European tech. Uh, the numbers were abysmal. I wrote about this. Uh, yeah. We'll see what it gives to this year, but definitely the pandemic didn't help. So I think we're... Do you know, Robin, I'm like such an optimistic person. I'm a born optimist. Um, and I always think if there's a problem, we can solve it. But, it's, but when system change needs to happen, it, you know, it, it can feel like a Sisyphean task. Uh, and you watch everybody kind of trying to roll these stones up hills. But, you know, that change will come. Uh, change needs to come because we need everybody's talent. Uh, I think we're at a real critical point for tech, for society. We're all moving towards net zero. We know we need to move faster towards net zero decarbonized economies. Um, we know there's a lot of work to be done around AI, um, ensuring that we have uh, kind of an AI economy that is ethical, ensuring that we have a tech economy that is there for everybody. And we don't just have this increasing chasm between the haves and the have nots. So there's a lot of work that has to be done uh, across our economies and across our tech businesses to make sure that we have a society that's fit for purpose in the next 10 to 20 years. Uh, and if we're going to get there, we need everybody to be on the bus. Uh, and we need to make sure that we are constructing a tech economy that works for everybody. And so we, ne we need to get our heads around this and it and it will happen. Enc encouragingly, a lot of the uh, tech businesses that we're seeing coming through out of the pandemic are female-led. Um, so I'm wondering, actually, if the figures that you saw this year, I'll be interested to see how they look next year. Um, yeah, Medtech, EdTech, CleanTech. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. We've got some, some good seeds. A brilliant company that I just invested in. Um, actually, it was a former Unruly colleague, uh, Kat Jones. Brilliant exec at Unruly. Uh, and she'd always wanted to be a sustainable a founder. She founded her business during the pandemic. She founded her travel business during the pandemic. Uh, wow. it's, a it's a platform for... Very courageous platform for flight-free travel. Um, you know, what a wonderful concept, being able to travel the world, but without having to pollute the world. And I'm really proud to be supporting that. And there are lots of founders like her um, who have just taken this moment, this moment of shake-up, the moment when all the cards go up in the air. And as they come down, you just think, 
where are they going to land? Where do I want to be going? What big decisions am I going to be making now? Um, so hopefully we'll have seen some real positive decisions being made there and some fantastic businesses being led by very diverse founders. Yeah. Well, thanks for the message of hope. I'm in absolute agreement with you, but I also think we need more people like you who are optimistic about this and actually, um, you know, act for change and not just talk about it. You mentioned, you mentioned the resources uh, from Tech Nation. You also mentioned your book, which is not in your LinkedIn bio, but I did find it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit more, uh, stepping yeah, up, it's called, uh, well, what yes. is it for? Who, who is it for? And what, is yeah. it, what, what do you want to achieve with it? So in a sense, it's a career manual uh, for, for, for the 21st century. If you want to be a leader in the 2020s, um, what kind of skills do you need to develop and hone? What are the muscle sets that you really need to build? Uh, and I thought a lot about this as we were building Unruly. You know, what are the key muscle groups that we need to exercise and, and really make sure that everybody is comfortable with? Uh, and one was diversity, uh, making sure that we were able to build companies that include everybody and bring in everybody's brains and genius and good qualities. Another one was digital intelligence. So it, remarkably, when I wrote the book, and that was in 2017, you know, there were still people that were saying, well, you know, digital's just part of it, and digital's not all that. And seriously, you know, bricks and mortar is always going to be here, and people are always going to shop in shops, and digital's never going to be everything. But I think you know, the, the, the pandemic has really accelerated the you know, digital adoption in so many ways. So that sense of digital intelligence, um, adopting a digital mindset, and by that really, I mean agile, iterative, uh, collaborative, open to learning, um, open to shifting course, uh, understanding that consumer needs will change, business requirements will change very rapidly, um, but that digital um, enables scale and enables a nuance and niches to exist in a way that it never has before. And, and really, you need to kind of understand that and harness it. Um, and then emotional intelligence, um, also absolutely key. Um, I do think in an era when we spend more and more of our time apart from each other, being able to connect with each other um, is increasingly important. And as a leader, you want to be able to build a team that respects you and that you respect and, and where you respect the whole person. Uh, so one of the things I've absolutely loved about being a founder was being able to work with brilliant people and see them develop and help them develop, but understand they would have problems. Uh, and for them to understand that, that look, I was not going to be good at everything. On the contrary, I was going to be really rubbish at most things. <laughs> and that's why I needed them. Um, but yeah, being able to build relationships with people um, is, is absolutely critical. So the book really kind of is, it contains lots of different ideas um, for how to, how to do that, how to be that kind of modern leader, uh, how to lead in a digital, volatile, changing world. And, but most importantly of all, I think is the part about values. Um, so there's a big section on saying, look, before you go running off thinking, right, that's it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to smash this. Just think about why. You know, why do you want to lead? Why do you want to be in this business? Why do you want to lead that team? Why do you want to found that company? And what's the long game? Um, so that when you're sitting down at your 100th birthday and you're blowing out your candles, you know, what do you want to be proud of? What do you want to be talking to your great-grandchildren about? Um, and is this getting you on that journey? Or actually, is this a bit of a diversion? So really taking the time. How, how long is this book? How big oh, is God. it? No, well, listen, no, no, no. The good news, Robin, I've got a copy somewhere. I was going to show it to you. But it's all right. We're on, we're on audio, so you wouldn't, so viewers can't see it anyway. So... Listeners, imagine a very, very thin book. 
<laughs> like um, a dishwasher manual. It's the really, it's really that. No, a dishwasher manual is probably too thick. It's not. It's not a big book because really? you know. Wow, because it sounds like very comprehensive. Uh, well, it's it, it's to the point. It's 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 short and snappy and to the point. It's the five V's framework: vision, values, velocity, victories, and votes. Um, nice. And it just takes you through these five V's, gives you some some tips and some exercises that you can do and hopefully you come out of the end of it thinking read it on a Sunday afternoon that's always my advice to people and I've had some really lovely feedback from people who've read it and said wow this has transformed my career Um, so that's brilliant but I would say read it on a Sunday afternoon and you'll be able to put something into action on a Monday morning fantastic well listen again we're going to put this in the show notes hopefully lots of listeners uh, will uh, find the book that way I want to go back uh, to Unruly uh, just for one more question because um, when you started the company, the UK tech scene, the European tech scene looked completely differently. But even even six years ago, when you sold the company, it looked completely differently, right? So I remember when Unruly was bought by News Corp, I, I remember it being a really, really big deal, uh, at least regarded within the UK tech scene as a really, really big deal. Uh, but I wonder how it was like for you, sort of from the inside. Uh, can you walk us through sort of how, how, how the acquisition came about and what it, how it changed, uh, how you sort of perceived the business and what, how it happened afterwards? So... It came about with a bit of serendipity, really. And it came about because we have a wonderfully connected (laughs) tech ecosystem. I was at a conference in Dublin and was due to be on stage with the chief data officer of News Corp. And then the interviewer, who was, I think, a TechCrunch journalist, wasn't sure she could make it after all. So the chief data officer and I sat down and said, well, look, let's not cancel. Let's just have a conversation with each other. Nice. We, can ask, we can ask each other questions. It'll be, be fun. It'll be more fun. So we did a whole kind of gig where the two of us chatted backstage beforehand. And then actually the interviewer did did arrive and did do the interview. Um, but afterwards we said to each other, I kind of wish we just got to do our thing <laughs> because we, we had a lot in common. And she went back to New York and was talking to her team and I went back to to the UK and was talking to my people. And then uh, we were approached by Rebecca, Rebecca Brooks, who was just coming back into the business. She's um, about to come back in as the UK CEO. Uh, And she'd been tasked with finding best in class video business um, and had been around the world looking for a business. And then eventually someone said to her, well, you have talked to Unruly, haven't you? Because they're just down the road in Shoreditch. Uh, And then we, we met up, had lunch, in fact, I took it to the Future Video Lab. And um, one of the things that News Corp have always been fascinated by is data. Yeah, they're a very data-driven business as well. And she loved the data that we had around video consumption, who was watching, where they were watching, why they were watching, um, what, you know, what, what happened post-view. Uh, and and that's, that's where it all started. And in terms of how it felt from the inside, it, it did feel... It was exhausting. <laughs> what am I? Who am I kidding? What other word should I use? It was. It was exhausting because it's such a big moment for a business when you when you sell, uh, and we had to. You know, we thought really carefully because we hadn't been actively looking to sell. Uh, we were growing the business. Um, we were winning new customers. We were developing new products. Um, it was really interesting, really exciting, but we thought about the values of the company and a lot of it came back down to values uh, and our values were deliver wow was, was one value and we thought wow if we can do this we, wow if we can do this deal this will be amazing it'll be great for unruly because it's going to help us scale we'll be, have access to all kinds of fantastic inventory and global sales team um, and also wow for our for our people because unruly's working at the company excluding founders owned a quarter of the company yeah roughly so that was a you know a lot of people who would then be able to benefit from the sale uh, and then share the love 
um, you know, also this was we're like, well, this this will be great. This is a great way of bringing unruly to more people. And then embrace change is our third value. And actually, we thought we should be you know, we should be running towards change. If we think it's good change, we should be running towards it. Um, so we we did that deal, and actually news were fantastic um you know it's, it's difficult when you're acquired by a large company um and you, know, you can feel swallowed up um but we were always treated really um with, with respect uh, and i think they were glad that we were there they enjoyed having us at the table uh, and they, in a sense they bought us partially for our diversity we were digital we were video we had different opinions um and we were really happy to share those opinions um and that was you know that was an exciting part of the journey post acquisition Great. Well, it sounds like an acquisition that uh, turned out well. It doesn't always uh, happen that way. So congratulations for that. I should, I should, uh, yeah, yeah I, since I, left, I left in, tw- in um, yeah, 2019. 2019. I should, I should say it's been solved uh, since then uh, to Tremor. Um, so in a sense, it's, it's kind of found its home um, within a it's pure... It's still on a journey company. in a way, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and do you know what, Robin, that's so exciting when you have a company and you watch it grow. Uh, and it is a bit like having a child and you watch it grow and you watch it grow. And there just comes a point when you think it's time for someone else <laughs> uh, and, you, and you watch it grow and evolve in, in different ways. Yeah. Uh, you've parted ways in 2019, as you've mentioned. Uh, what have you been up to since then? You mentioned you make angel investments. You mentioned you had less, uh, le- less screen time than before. Um, <laughs> what, what have you? What have kept you busy in the last two years? Yeah. Um, so uh, pausing, quite deliberate pausing, um, and just rediscovering what it is that I'm passionate about. Um, what do I enjoy thinking about, talking about, reading about? Uh, how do I want to spend my time? You know, time, very limited resource. If, if and when I kind of go again uh, and do something else with single purpose. And at the moment, I'm a much more portfolio person. But if and when I go again, I want to make sure I'm moving in the right direction for the right reasons. Uh, so it's just been a really... Um, well, I'm obviously this last 18 months has been quite different because it's been COVID and that's been homeschooling and shopping for neighbours and you know, all the things that you do during a pandemic now, which has been you know, just completely um, mind-blowing. Um, but running has played a big part in the last three years. So um, I really enjoy half marathons, um, training for the London Marathon at the moment next year. Nice. I, hope, I don't know that I've got a place for certain um, but I'm hoping that I've got a place uh, running for uh, Anna Freud. Um, and one of the things that's been- There's always other marathons around the world, I'm sure. <laughs> there, there, there are. But the Anna, doing, the, doing this for Anna Freud would be really special because one of the things that I did during the pandemic was become a trustee of um, a mental health charity. Um, and this is p- part of the, uh, the pandemic within a pandemic, um, the, the mental health issues that have arisen, and especially with children. Uh, and the stats that have been coming out around this you know, have been quite horrifying. So many children have been feeling anxious um, and frightened and unsure of what's going on. Their resilience has been phenomenal. Um, But certainly here in the UK, it's continuing to be difficult, even coming out of lockdown, because periods of transition and change are are intrinsically difficult. Uh, And they do bring bring anxiety. So the Anna Freud Centre's 
um, been around for 70 years uh, and it pioneers new methods um, of helping uh, with children's mental health. It trains psychologists and it works with schools to help ensure that teachers also understand how they can best help children uh, improve their mental health. It works with parents, helping parents help children. Uh, So it's a really kind of holistic children's mental health charity where we all work together uh, as a community um, and help to lift lift this generation of children because this is a generational challenge. Uh, This mental health pandemic is something that will have affected so many children and we all need to work together to make sure that we we help to lift them and recognise what they've learned and gained through the last difficult 18 months uh, as well as what they've lost. Absolutely. Well, I wasn't familiar with the charity. I'll uh, again, I'll put it in the show notes uh, so people can uh, discover it on their own. Uh, but it sounds like you're you're giving attention to to all the right things. You had lots of time for reflection. Do you think you'll uh, end up starting another company, or do you think I want to do more angel investment? Sort of, um, you know, divide my time over a portfolio of companies rather yeah. than than focus on one. So for me, the decision came down to: Do I want to go broad or deep? And I think at the moment, I'm still enjoying breadth. And having spent, ended up being 12 years at Unruly, where I went so deep, (laughs) one business, one sector, really understanding the ins and outs uh, and being very focused on on growing that business and doing that in the right way. And I absolutely love that. But you can become a bit monomaniacal. Um, So what I've really been enjoying over the last three years is not needing to be monomaniacal (laughs) and just, just enjoying trying out, having exposure to different businesses across different sectors. Uh, And being on the Tech Nation board is brilliant for that because I get to speak to founders and senior leaders across so many of the UK scale-ups. There are more scale-ups than ever before. Uh, There's an insane number of scaling companies. You talked about the tech ecosystem and how it's evolved and how it's matured even in the last few years uh, since, since we sold. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, couldn't agree more. Um, and even in the time that I've sat on the, the Tech Nation board, it's been over th- just over three years now, um, I've seen this acceleration of pace um, and, and maturing of the ecosystem. Um, so I love being able to you know, look at whether, whether it's clean tech, whether it's uh, e-commerce, whether it's AI. Um, there's some fantastic health tech and well-being um, apps that are, that are being launched. You know, there's just so much going on. So it feels like a great moment uh, to be able to still be looking around and learning what's going on and bringing those learnings, uh, you know, cross-fertilization, I guess is, is the word there, isn't it? You, know, you learn something in one field and you take it across to the other. Um, and that, I think, well, that's exciting. And that's part of the reason that I'm really delighted to be joining the Signal AI board. I was just um, going to mention yeah. that. Because <laughs> you, uh, you did well, join as a non-executive director for Copley oh, Signal yes. AI. What can you tell us about them? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I'm really excited um, about this company. And I've known the company uh, for a while. Um, it was part of um, a Tech Nation program a while back. And I was always impressed um, with the company. Um, so it's a decision augmentation company. It helps um, it helps leaders make better decisions. Um, it uses AI uh, to mine billions of data sources. Uh, and then f- from those uh, data sources, extracts, identifies relevant information it does that faster um, it does it does it with more relevance and brings clarity so you, uh, business leaders can make better decisions uh, so I long looked at that business and thought wow that's interesting uh, and I guess part of the reason I'd looked at the business and thought that was because I really felt at unruly you know as, as a CEO you're just 
really doesn't matter what sector you're in, you're in the business of making decisions. That's what you have to do. That's what you're paid to do. When should we hire? Who should we hire? When should we grow? Which market do we go into? Um, when is it time to sunset that product? Are we compliant? <laughs> uh, God, have we filed our tax? You know, all these, all these things. They, the, you know, the questions, but the decisions that you're having to make, the strategic decisions. Uh, and to make those decisions, you do want to have the best information um, at your fingertips. So I, I love the product. Um, I think it's very smart and I really like the team. Um, the team are top notch and people and product for me are always the two, the two key um, things whenever I'm thinking about becoming part of any company or you know, any organization. And David Benningson, the founder, has scaled that business brilliantly and continues to do so you know, with vision, with clarity with humor it's a quite it's a fun company you know the people are lovely people uh, and that uh, and that goes for the rest of the team that, that i've met also and coupled with um archie norman who's the very seasoned chair and he's the chair of um signal ai so he brings a wealth of experience from from tv from retail having run giant global businesses so he brings this fabulous kind of macro knowledge to the table and i and i i hope that i can bring my very scanned, um, but hopefully useful knowledge of having scaled um, a tech company and scaled it and taken it into different markets um, and then you know, successfully um, grown and, and then exited. Hopefully some of that will be useful. Certainly at the moment, the Signal team uh, are doing a brilliant job of expanding into the US. Uh, and the US, as you as you no surprises, it's a hugely important market um, and the, the team are cracking that. So it's actually, it's a real inflection point for them. Um, you know, the platform, um, the platform is buzzing, going really well. They're in the US. Um, there's lots of growth. Uh, so it's, it's a brilliant time to be joining. Well, listen, you're already being a good uh, spokesperson for the company. Oh. And I'm sure, sure they'll be able to use your uh, optimism and energy uh, for sure, uh, from what I can tell at least. Um, but yeah, the, I mean... TechU is a tiny, tiny company, but I feel like I'm making decisions pretty much all day long. So I'll definitely check them out as a product as well. The company was already on my radar, but I think I'll, I'll need to check out what they offer uh, for us as well. Well, the, I mean, the UK, uh, one of the interesting things about the, mat the, you know, the maturation of the ecosystem um, is so many more unicorns now. So we reached 100 unicorn companies um, just a few weeks ago in the UK, which is a huge milestone. And Signal is on that journey. So, you know, the scale that it has is really exciting. And it's a scale that I see, you know, repeated across many sectors in the UK. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that really excites me about the business, you know, that, that it will scale to that next level. And that's, I think if you're an entrepreneur, it's growth done well, scale done well uh, is always very exciting. Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on the company. Uh, we'll also keep an eye on what you do next. Um, for now, let's uh, just uh, stick to running and make sure that you make the marathon in London. Keep us posted <laughs> how it goes. Oh, I will do. I will do. But uh, thank you so much for joining, Sarah. It was really lovely. Uh, I think we're at 35 minutes, which is one of the longest interviews I've ever done for the podcast. But every minute of it was very interesting to me and I'm sure the audience as well. Uh, any uh, final thoughts to share? Um, well, thanks for having me. And if there's anyone on the call who's thinking about beginning a startup, there has never been a better time to be starting a tech business than right now. We have so many um, of the biggest challenges that humanity have ever faced that we need to tackle and win over the coming decades. So anyone who thinks they can just give it a shot you know, and be part of solving the problems.
Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a roller coaster, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's one of those phrases. I think I've heard this, uh, you know, every year for the last 15 years. Uh, this is the best year to become an entrepreneur. But this year, it feels like this is a really the first time that I also feel like, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, there is no better time. Well, do you know what? I think moments of crisis elicit moments of profound creativity because there is so much shake up and because people rethink the certainties they thought they once knew. Um, so I think that for me is why now is the best time to be starting a business. Yeah, that absolutely. And also there's so much more support now. There's so much capital available. There's, you know, yeah. people who've done it before, like yourselves, who can mentor, yeah. who can give advice, yes. who can share their experience, best practices with people, which is what you've done in the last uh, 37 minutes. So thank you for that. We're going to wrap it up, but thank you so much for joining again, Sarah, and all the best uh, for everything that you do in the future. Thank you. Have a lovely afternoon. Stay in touch. And this is it for our today's episode. Big thanks to Sarah Wood for coming on the show, to Robin Wouters for recording this conversation, and big thanks to you all for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts, and if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineers are SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com, check them out. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.